Well, welcome back. Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. We've got David Dahl, my producer, to my west. We've got uh, Mr. Bill to my north. And we have Terry even further to my west. We shall call her Occidental Terry. Occidental, meaning from the Latin Occidentalis, Western. Did you guys know that Occidental College, that's what that's because it's on the West Coast? Ali Ali Oxenfree. You knew that? Occidental College? You can't have its opposite because on the East Coast, there's no, we won't say the word because you can't say that word anymore, interestingly enough. Anyway, 602 if you want to join the call. I didn't do a monologue today because I was fascinated by something Newt Gingrich wrote uh, at the American Spectator, and I wanted to share it with you. It's something titled American Despotism, and I would love to converse with you about it and take your calls on it. He says, America, he writes, Newt Gingrich does, America is now in the deepest, most dangerous constitutional crisis since the hostility in the 1850s that led to secession and civil war. This constitutional crisis is so widespread and th- threatening that House Republicans must dramatically widen their investigations. Hunter Biden and President Joe Biden are only a tiny part of a spider web of corruption, dishonesty, criminal behavior, and state weaponization. The rule of law is steadily being replaced by a frightening new rule of power. Of course, it is important to get to the bottom of the Biden corruption. It is critical that we understand how a drug-addicted, out-of-control drunk with no business experience attracted millions of dollars from Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Romania, and communist China. It is vital to learn what involvement the then-Vice President and now-President had in the scheme. It seems clear President Biden was doing favors for foreign billionaires while publicly claiming he knew nothing of his son's business dealings. House Republicans must recognize, however— that they are currently focused on one tree in a forest of illegality and totalitarian behavior. A powerful and growing faction of the American left would undermine the Constitution, turn the government into an instrument of coercing Americans to do what it wants, and use the law as a weapon to destroy its political opponents. The problem is much bigger than Hunter Biden. Most of modern American history can only be understood within this broader system of coercion and corruption. Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden are major players, but they are supported by a cast of hundreds and possibly thousands of eager totalitarians ready to impose their views on the American people. These would-be coercers have been enriching themselves with impunity because they know their establishment allies will never question them or hold them to account. If you think I am exaggerating the distance between normal Americans and the totalitarians of the left, consider the reality in which we are all living. A clear example of this split is the 84% who believe parents have the right to know what is being taught to their children in school. Meanwhile, teachers' unions oppose parental rights, and the FBI investigates concerned parents as potential terrorists. This is a clear example of the left-wing minority's effort to use government to force extreme cultural and societal change. One of the great questions of our generation is whether a ruthless minority weaponizing government and destroying the American rule of law can use sheer force and threat of force to make Americans accept things in which they do not believe. We established America's New Majority Project 
defined and developed a set of issues on which most Americans agree. We were delighted to find a wide range of issues that have 70% to 90% support. For example, 83% prefer to identify themselves as Americans rather than by their racial or ethnic backgrounds. 82% prefer free market capitalism to big government socialism. 79% believe that people who believe in the values found in the Bible have the right to express them publicly. 74% believe able-bodied adults should have to work to receive taxpayer-funded benefits such as food stamps, health care, or welfare. You'll see a huge majority of Americans favor positions for which they would normally now be canceled, ridiculed, fired, or even prosecuted by the current coercive left-wing dominated system. Instead of having a government that serves the American people, we have degenerated into a government that wants the American people to serve and obey it. All of this has led to the rule of law being replaced by the rule of power. The warnings in George Orwell's 1984, Frederick Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, Arthur Kessler's Darkness at Noon, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, and virtually all the works of Alexander Solzhenitsyn seem to be coming true. A startling movement of totalitarian thought and behavior control is growing. It is eager to use government and the threat of prosecution to coerce the rest of us. While focusing on Hunter Biden's laptop and the trails of foreign corruption leading to President Biden, we have missed the vastly bigger, more frightening, and far more complex story of illegal and anti-constitutional behavior undermining the system of law. The turning point for me was reading Andy McCarthy's remarkable book, Ball of Collusion. It should have been required reading for every American before the 2020 election. McCarthy is a solid professional prosecutor with almost two decades of experience in the Justice Department, and he led the prosecution in the trials of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. He used his prosecutorial skills to take apart the entire effort to tie candidate and then-President Donald Trump to Russia. The Russian hoax was deliberately was a deliberate lie funded by the Clinton campaign and seized upon by the FBI and the CIA. It was an opportunity for the system in power to defeat a candidate it didn't like. And the lie failed to defeat Trump as a candidate. It was used to hamstring his presidency. Ball of Collusion was a stunning revelation. I knew a lot about the general story and had lived through it, but I never connected the dots in such a methodical way. The research shows that the conspiracy to destroy Trump involved much more of the government than most would have thought possible. It was like looking through a kaleidoscope that suddenly came into focus. Suddenly, many of the things I have lived through in American politics, Newt writes, started to fit the pattern of corruption and coercion. Clinton's cattle futures wouldn't fall. Lois Lerner's weaponization of the IRS and the flagrant corruption of the Clinton Foundation. Some policy decisions made by then-Secretary of State Clinton including permitting the sale of 20% of America's uranium to a Russian company that gave the Clinton Foundation $2.3 million in gifts, made sense in this pattern. I then thought about Smith's legal attack on Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, which was unanimously overturned by the Supreme Court. That's Jack Smith, who's the prosecutor uh, after Trump now. He prosecuted Republican Governor Bob McDonnell uh, a few years ago. Unsurprisingly, this is the same Smith the Biden administration picked to attack Trump ahead of the 2024 election. The list goes on and on. Importantly, McCarthy focused on January 5th, 2017, 
in a meeting in which then-President Barack Obama personally coordinated the joint FBI-CIA effort to cripple and derail the Trump administration. It became clear then that this was an absolute smoking gun of guilt. The incumbent president of the United States openly coordinated the law enforcement and intelligence agencies in a deliberate, methodical effort to hinder the next president of the United States. It was an act verging on breaking the law. Once I understood that Obama was capable of this level of viciousness and dishonesty, a lot of other things began to fall into place. The Obama administration's treatment of the Benghazi attack that killed an American ambassador was one example. Susan Rice appeared on five national news shows that Sunday after the attack to repeat a narrative that was completely false and misleading. After all, September 11, 2012 was close to the election. Obama did not want Americans to understand that an Islamist terrorist group had just killed an American ambassador and three other Americans. That would have deflated the Obama triumphalism that asserted killing Osama bin Laden had ended the terrorist threat. Given Obama's willingness to corrupt the Justice Department and the intelligence community, it is little wonder that Clinton deleted 33,000 emails and had her staff destroy her hard drive with a hammer. She knew she was never going to be prosecuted. The fix was in. In the post-Obama world, Democrats do not get prosecuted and Republicans do not get protected. The sickness has become more institutional than personal. There are entire networks of people willing to lie for the left and against the rest of us. This is all from Newt Gingrich's essay at the American Spectator. I would love your feedback on this, and I'll give you the rest of it when we come right back. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. That's Somewhere Over China. I heard on That's the a great Dem- album. It's I a was great listening al- to that over the weekend. It's a great album, and it's a great song, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. He mentions Papa Ate in there. Is that another? It's uh, an island. Ada, it's a, it's an oh, island. No, in, it's an island. <laughs> yeah, in Fiji and um, and uh, in the Fiji uh, island uh, chain, and it's uh, it's also mentioned that place in uh, the Southern Cross. It's uh, the only two songs I know know that mention Pape Te, and they're great songs, and uh, makes me want to go. That's my bucket list destination, Papete. That and Buzios. Do they have flights there, or do you have to I take a know. boat? Or, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I think you have to take a slow boat. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hi, Seth. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing uh, well, thank you. Uh, listen, thank you for reading that powerful article by Newt. It was It's jaw-dropping and spot-on and... Wow, I really appreciate the way that he has delineated uh, and laid out so clearly what has been going on and what is going on. There's only one problem. Carl Rove says there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I know. I know. You know how I sometimes say um, we wouldn't have youth problems if we didn't have adult problems? Yeah. We wouldn't have Democrat problems if we didn't have Republican problems. Yeah, yeah, because I remember Karl Rove was the advisor to that former Republican president that voted for Clinton and Biden, right? I don't assume otherwise. I don't think he ever made it explicitly clear, but I think if you read the tea leaves, it's pretty clear. 
Oh, I, I thought he had said that. Oh, that did he? he was, did he actually uh, say that, he that did? He was he, okay. For Clinton. And, oh, did he say that? Okay. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. You know, my memory is not. Well, he was nowhere to be found. He was of no help. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. So I didn't realize he you, had said but that. But you know what, Seth? It doesn't surprise me. Is I, I've kind of been feeling down because when I called you on Tuesday, you know, I really thought we, you and I, were kind of like in a hundred percent agreement, and then of course. I found out that uh, we weren't because you didn't appreciate that uh, musical tune. The, the discordant happy, uh, happy organ, yeah. R- right, right. But then, I, you know, I was kind of down, but then I remembered something very important, a very important principle. Yes. Brother, you have a right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I suppose you have a right to inflict hate speech over the airwaves <laughs> by suggesting the happy organ, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> hey, but I just want to remind you of yes, something. Sir. You know Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, right? Well, maybe. It, it says, <laughs> I can't do it uh, that hey, way. You'll, you'll recognize it when I tell you. Okay. It says, as iron sharpens yes, iron, so one man sharpens yes, another. Of course, of course. Nicely done. Nicely so that's done. it, brother. All right. You are my brother. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, All right. Sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. How are you? Hi, Seth. I agree with uh, Rick. You had a very You want the happy point. organ on this show, too? No. No, oh, no. Okay. I'm not going to be there to vote in that. But I, I agree with him on the your monologue oh okay so, okay yeah <laughs> it's a partial agreement oh, I okay say. yeah agreeing in part and uh, yeah affirming in part and dissenting in part yeah right there we go okay yeah it's 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 one of those definite maybes yeah uh, votes, you know. <laughs> a non-answer um, answer <laughs> yeah um i wanted to just add in there that newt's getting very you know zeroing in on the problem and you can see that with charlie kirk on his show with turning point he's getting more intense and he's zeroing in on the problem too something i've been doing um i'm less interested in talking about philosophy because it is my first passion but the most the the most important thing at this point is our strategy to fight back uh because as I said the other day, the left will push and push until until we push back. And we are our own worst enemies uh, because when you listen to Charlie Kirk, he was talking about trying to do some budget battles. And there is no one – there is a huge faction in the you know Republican Party, the establishment, who don't want to fight back because that re- requires a fight. Uh, because anytime if you do do anything that opposes or even comes to back to neutral on anything the left wants, they go nuts. And so we have a 40-year history of failure in the advancement. Believe me, we did not get this bureaucratic state by our stopping it, because we did not. We did not get to this bankruptcy by spending less, because we did not. Everything that has occurred is because of our apathy. As a matter of fact, after the election, the failure, uh, the election of Biden and the failure of Trump, you had a guest on. And believe me, I love the guy. He is every, just educated, well off, uh, and, and we probably agree on 98 percent of the issues. 
But he said something that is very indicative to the establishment. And he even came back later after I made this comment uh, and said that we need to be together. Well, that would have been nice for the establishment to say that about conservatives for 40 years, which they didn't. But one of the things he said was uh, the one good thing about Trump failing, uh, losing the election, is that we can get back to norm. And he didn't finish the word. Must have been told, don't say that. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Was it Brandon? No, it's the guys you have on Tuesday. Oh, oh. Wonderful people. Oh, oh, okay. Wonderful man. But he even said, I'm establishment. Okay. The establishment doesn't mean we differ on issues. It means on action, on strategy. The establishment does not want to be aggressive because, you know, they're more offended by Trump's words than the left's advancement. And we are here because they aren't offended by the left's advancement. And if they say, oh, yes, we are, then where were you 20 years ago? Where were you 10 years ago? Where were you eight years ago? I heard, oh, we we would stop spending in 2004 with Bush if we just had the majority. Then I heard when I was at PC, uh, you know, precinct chairman, uh, then, oh, we would do it uh, we, now that we have the majority, but we don't have a supermajority. They always have reasons to never do it. It's always the next election. And it's sort of like with Hitler. The, the bloodbath that occurred is because it was apathy in the advancement of Nazism. We wouldn't have, we couldn't, the establishment wouldn't stop him in the streets, wouldn't have stopped him in the, before the election. Then when he became chancellor and took over, we won't stop him taking over yeah. this country. Yeah, let me, let me do this. Uh, you're on to some big stuff here. Can I hold you over over the break and have you yeah. come back? Because what you're, I mean... Germany might be one example. I, I was thinking when you oh, said I that. Give you well, dollars. right. I was, I was just thinking. Yeah. Let me, let me take the break. But as I go to break, I'll just make the point. I was thinking of the transfer of foreign policy ideology between everything and Ronald Reagan, at least everything since World War II and Ronald Reagan. Remember, the idea was containment up until 1980 or 81, and then Ronald Reagan said containment's not going to work. Our philosophy is roll back, and uh, that's what ultimately led to that crumbling. Um, I have a lot to talk to you about with what you raised, so stay with me, and we'll join. Welcome others too, Doug. Thank you. By the way, producer David Young David tells me uh, Bush forty one voted for Clinton. Bush forty three did not. Fair enough, at least on the record. Okay, be right back. Welcome back, and uh, from the Department of Corrections, um, I have to tell you a close listener and friend, Steve. Uh, fixes me on a mistake that I should have known better because I did know this. But Papa Ete, however you want to say it, that's said many different ways. Uh, Jimmy Buffett calls it Papate, and uh, it's Papa Ete in Southern Cross. I said it was part of the Fiji Islands. It's not. It's and I knew this, but I forgot it. I suppose Tahiti. Could we say they're all Polynesia and just leave it at that? It's all Polynesia. I think I can say that. Now I'm going to wander into a whole new area of criticism. But anyway, thank you, Steve, and thank you, audience, for forgiving that uh, Lay's Majesty over uh, the location and the confusion of Fiji and Tahiti. Uh, uh, we were talking with Doug. Doug, are you still there, Doug in Maricopa? I, I am, yes. yes. Uh, thank you. Um, you said a lot, and you have a lot more I can tell to say, uh, so I'll let you keep going, and then we'll circle back, if that's cool. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm taking I, notes. I think... 
You know, the whole point is we have to remember it again. If an establishment type ran for president in the party, as much as I think they are the problem because they don't have a vigorous and vocal opposition and they aren't willing to advance our cause, um, establishment types either lose slowly. So the, a liberal will get us to socialism in five years, an establishment will get us there in 20 because the left will continue to advance. And so they are just there to manage our decline. Um, and so, and, and, but there aren't bad people, and we can't turn on them and say, you, you aren't welcome. You are. But we have to begin to recognize. And by the way, I was establishment 25 years ago. <laughs> and, and, and really what I began to realize is we are the problem because the establishment, the, the bureaucracy is advancing, our debt is advancing, Everything the left has is advancing because we are not vigorous in opposition. And if you go back to let, let's go back and pull it away from this to see more clearly, because we tend to get to our corners. In England with, with Hitler, it was the establishment that could not see the advancement of Nazism. The over, and, set. Yeah, right, 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 right. It, it, now, were they were they not educated? They were very erudite. They were very educated. They were very sophisticated, and they were very wrong. The point was is that it, it took a guy like I mean Churchill for thirteen years, and when he was out of office, kept saying, "You guys are you, you guys are causing the death that came in World War II was because we were not prepared, and it was the establishment that would not recognize what was easily seen if you stood back. Same thing in Germany; it was because we could not see it, and same thing with uh, with the Russians. And with the Cold War, Reagan wrote about how to defeat the Soviet Union for 10 years before he got into office. He was no cowboy. He was very thoughtful, a lot if you read his writings. It was the establishment that uh, talked about, um, you know, matching, you know, the Soviet Union. And it was they were totally wrong. Some cowboy comes in and says, why would you try to match them in their strongest area? We need to attack them in their weakest area, which is their economy. And we can, uh, by pumping oil and dropping the price of oil, we'll deplete their funds, which is 90% liquid only in oil. We, he has hold, his whole strategy, he was not, you know, a Ph.D., but he had it 100% right. It was the establishment that would not push and it was wrong. Now, we have, a, like Charlie Kurtz says, a 100-year war in the establishment of the of leftist, uh, you know, bureaucracy state, which is what Newt calls the bureaucratic socialism. And it is only advancing because we do not push up. And not I'm not talking about three or four or five people we can name. We all know who they're. They're my heroes. But until we get a wall of people in your audience in a wall of people around the country to say, I'm done worrying about knitting and worrying about uh, sports. I am done being sweet and nice and worrying. I am now standing up and saying, this is BS. And, uh, you know, if you're offended, then that's good because that usually means I've said something to make you think. If you don't like your daughter in the locker room, we let them get in the locker room, and now we're jumping around trying to get them out. Every time you try to undo the advancement, it's 100 times worse than if you had put your hand up and said no more 10 years ago. 
but now we have to get stronger because we were weaker in the past. All right. Uh, bear with me. I, I, I want to tease some of this out with you. I, I took notes, and uh, there's a lot there, well thought out, and uh, I want to toss it back and forth with you just a little bit. If you don't mind sticking with me, Doug, you're going to give me a call like that. you got to stay with me. <laughs> you're going to unload all that all that, all that brain on me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Doug and Maricopa, you still with me, brother? Yes. And I'm ready to listen. And no, it's a convert. No, 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 you don't have to. I just, you you said some things that kind of created an interesting circle for my, the way I was thinking as you were talking. Um, and First of all, the word establishment that that we we tend to use, I, I don't know if it's that useful anymore. Quite honestly, uh, I, I'm yeah, curious to yeah, know what you think. It, well, the reason is, yeah. I don't know what it really means anymore. Someone's not establishment until they are. Reagan wasn't establishment. Then he became president. He was yeah. the Donald Trump was not establishment, but then he's president, and he names the RNC right. chair, who is still right. with us, and right. uh, supports uh, the Speaker of the House, who people think is establishment. And I don't know that if it's—I just don't know that it's it's useful anymore. It's kinda, it kind of reminds me of sometimes when people run for office and say, say I'm not a politician, I'm an outsider. Well, eh, eh. <laughs> you're running for office. You're you're kind of mm-hmm. in politics now. You're kind of a politician right. now. I just don't know if it's right. you. But if I might put in a word for something that gets us to what I think is important on this front. Okay. Okay. You said something about um, philosophy is less interesting now than action, and I'm going to put in a word for philosophy because I don't know that without it we can understand why the action we want to take is right or wrong. You're, you're you, right. but one more point you're on right. this, and, and then I'll let you come back on, on it. Yeah. I, I think we need the philosophy, at least my view is, we need the philosophy to guide us in why what Newt said is right and why what he's describing is wrong. I don't think without the understanding of philosophy... I, I am perplexed as to why we are not, as a party or a movement, 80% of the country. And I think it's because of a lack of being able to explain what our, or people failing to understand or appreciate what our philosophy is. Let me give you the best example that you put your finger on, which was uh, 1930s Germany, the Clivenden set, and that which Neville Chamberlain caved into. Um, One person in the docudrama that became the Munich Agreement, met Hitler three times, and that was Neville Chamberlain. One person, the other person in that docudrama, Winston Churchill, never met, never, uh, never met Adolf Hitler. One of them got Hitler right, and one of them got Hitler wrong, and it's the guy that never met Hitler that got him right, political philosopher Winston Churchill, because he understood right and wrong. Neville Chamberlain thought you could understand someone by getting, or something, by getting to know it physically and by merely the action of shaking hand and signing an agreement and taking them at their word. But someone who understood the deeper underlying philosophy of who and what Hitler was without meeting him got him right. The guy that met him three times got him wrong. So I I just, I want to put in a word for what we need to do a better job of to get the results you and I both want. 
Right. Anyway, you right. you yeah. does any of that resonate? Oh, it, it, unfortunately, um, it all resonates because <laughs> you you you've clarified some things. What I mean by that is what when I said I'm I'm not interested in talking about philosophy anymore. That's under the assumption that it is philosophy and principles that guide all our actions. It is the starting point, or you have no place to go and to leave, and you have no place to go. You, you do not know what you're fighting for, and if you've arrived, unless you have the principles to guide you. Sure. And as you and I want to reclaim constitutionalism in this country, great word, isn't that a great word, constitutionalism? Yeah, it's a I Leo Strauss it. word, a political yeah. philosopher's word for it. If you and I want to co- reclaim that and, and re-implant it, re-instantiate it here in the United States, don't you think our task, because of the left's efforts in our schools, in our culture elsewhere, don't you think our task is to sp- explain why it was right, not just that it was there, not just that it's old, yes. but why it's yes. right? And I think yes. that's where we have yes. fallen down. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think I think explaining and making it fun. I I talk all the time. I quit being quiet, you know. And I've been not invited back to some art soirees and everything else because what I would call establishment or let's say the traditional Republican, the non-fighting Republican. There are so many good, sweet, dear friends okay. and people that are well off, very successful, and just don't want to fight. It's all it's the way it's always going to be. Always an excuse not to fight. And and that might be perhaps the better explanation. The Mitch McConnell, the accommodation, or the Ted Cruz. You could say they're both establishment because they're both because <laughs> they're both in the in the greatest club. Yeah, the most, uh, select yeah, club. They're, they're uh, no, no man, right, right, right. One is a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> one is a tiger and very clear. Yeah. And the other one accommodates the left far too much, you know, and accommodates spending and always has a reason to expand. And uh, so I say, all in all, we we have to have we do not know where we need to go, but we need to make it fun. I talk to everybody and I ask them questions, simple questions and laugh and make it fun. You know, like, listen, all your ideas are great. But if you know, in business, we have a simple thing. And I'm just talking one example. I can give you hundreds. I've, I've converted dozens and dozens of people because I've started opening my mouth and I won't shut up anymore okay. because we need to convert the new evangelical. We need to convert back to the passion of freedom. All the things you say of Democrats are in control. There are I can name five or six or a dozen cities. Democrats are in control, city council, mayor, yeah, police, right, right. and they have been in control, not for 5, 10, or 15 years, Forever. but 60 yeah, years. Right. And if everything they say is true, then they will have fixed and cured it. But oh. they're all hellholes because everything they say and in, in make you feel all warm and fuzzy fail. And I, and I go through it. I said, do you believe fornicating on the street is good? No, that's terrible. Do you mean defecating on the street is terrible? No, that's bad. Do you mean, you know, all the, the high violence for the minority populations and I name the cities, that's not good either. So why I can't we get them to vote for us? 
Well, I think because we don't make it fun and we don't talk to them and point out their illogic. One woman, you know, in that, and so we need <laughs> Are to Are you making the case for philosophy? <laughs> logic? Okay. I, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. But it's a fighting philosophy. I'm, well, yes, a fighting philosophy. FF. I'm with you. <laughs> Let's get a new bumper sticker. M-O-F-A yes. and FF. Yes. Fighting well, we philosophy. Need to, we need to engage in a cheerful, happy warrior. Make it fun. Make Make it cool, and 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 so. It, but we tend to. What I would say, establishment is to keep our head down, go to church, do my family, and quiet. So the only conversation for ninety percent of the conversation in the last forty years has has been on the left because we got to start having the conversation. When you go to a family event and the leftists speak up, it's the right that stays quiet because we want a happy family. And so we guarantee only the leftist voice is taken, and so they get stronger because they don't hear any opposition, and they start to believe they're more right because they hear no counter, you know. Right. And so, I... and, and, and it's our fault for doing that because we have to realize by accommodating evil, the evil will advance. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and let me know if you ever want a guest host. America, most historians teach us, has sought to avoid the extremes, to be flexible without resembling silly putty, to be principled without being arch. Be right back. The show, portions of the show are brought to you by Why Refi the Basics. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Why Refi, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. If you're not sure if you trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may be a good option for you. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's 888-YREFI24. Rob is in Gilbert. Hi, Rob. Hi, um, Seth. You know, I'm I'm taking uh, just a little bit of offense to uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, uh, you know, article the uh, that he wrote that you quoted from earlier. And my problem is that I was part of a 1998 election in California when Jim Rogan was defeated by. Uh, 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 Adam Schiff, and in that same election, there was a um, uh, contested election in, I believe it was, well, someplace in Orange County, where there was a congressman named Bob Dornan. Yeah, B1 uh, Bob or something B1 like that. B1 Bob yeah, Dornan, yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And he was defeated so by— Loretta Sanchez or someone like that? Loretta Sanchez, yeah, okay. right. Mm-hmm. She's a palace, uh, person, lived in the Palisades, wealthy husband, rented a apartment in— uh, wherever it was in in Orange County, and mm-hmm. and ended up uh, winning, um, and I think she won by something less than seven hundred votes. And his um, uh, Dornan and his family and a number of other volunteers um, were able to identify approximately twelve hundred votes that were. Um, uh, fraudulent, or that they couldn't. Sure. You know, they went to people's houses. They yep. can't. I remember. They, they I remember kind of it. I remember. Right. Yeah. And that information was presented to Newt Gingrich. Yeah. And he did nothing with it. 
Yeah. Nothing at all. And it bothers was me. Was that now. the 98 election? Yes, it was. Yeah. Republican, and I, I was yeah. part of that. And yeah. I was a poll watcher and I saw what went on in, in the election that, that Rogan lost. To Adam Schiff. Yeah. I mean, people right across oh, from us. Oh, yeah. Listen, um, if you have more you want to say, that's fine, Rob. I just haven't top of the hour break I can't get out of. But I will point. I, uh, thank you. I, I think I take the bane of your point, though. Newt Gingrich does not walk on water for me either. Um, mm-hmm. I think he um, someone once said he has uh, 100 ideas a day. Five of them are good. And the challenge is to find which five. And he's always provocative, but no, uh, there was a lot that he did not distinguish himself on during his own tenure. But I think he's worth listening to, at least to think. He makes you think. No, You'd agree with I, me on I that. Agree. Okay. I agree. I, I do agree with okay. that, but, and I agree with much of his points. My, my problem is I don't like somebody that when they're in the arena— Yep, I get it. Back. I take it. I take. Thank you, sir. Pardon the break, but I take it. Thank you, Rob.